Now, as I present the preacher of the morning, I want to tell you that he is the official representative of the Presbytery of the Free Presbyterian Church of North Ireland. This is a Presbyterian church in fellowship and communion with our Bible Presbyterian Church. They're members of the International Council of Christian Churches, and they were organized for the same reasons that we were organized. They left the Irish Presbyterian Church because of the modernism and the apostasy and have been determined to preserve a true church in North Ireland. Now these brethren are in prison there today and the Reverend William Beatty is the chaplain to these brethren, Mr. Paisley and uh, Mr. Wiley and Mr. Foster. You see, when you go to prison over there, they do let you have a chaplain. And so this young man's been appointed the chaplain to advise spiritually Mr. Paisley and his brethren while they're in prison. So he gets to see them and gets to pray with them. I want to read the communication that our convocation adopted yesterday by a tremendous vote of approval to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. I want this to go on short wave as it is going because it's the first communication of this kind that has ever been sent from the New World to a queen or a ruling monarch in Great Britain. The second convocation of religious freedom assembled in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, September 24, 1966, petitions your majesty to use your royal prerogative for the immediate release from the Belfast prison of the three Protestant clergymen, the Reverend Eon Paisley, the Reverend John Wiley, and the Reverend Ivan Foster. This convocation has listened to the moving testimonies and reports of two clergymen, loyal subjects of yours, the Reverend Brian Green and the Reverend William Beatty, who come to the United States, who came to the United States at our request. In the words of the scripture, these men have done nothing worthy of bonds. The imprisonment of these three fearless preachers of the word of God is of the greatest concern to Christians in the United States. Prayers are being offered to God for their release. Religious persecution and imprisonment of this sort led the founding fathers of this republic to flee to the new world. Now from the new world we appeal to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. William Penn, the founder of this colony, served time in your London Tower, a prisoner for his religious preaching. History records that the first presbytery organized in the new world was composed of ministers of Ireland. These brethren in the North Ireland jail are our fellow Christians, and in the words of the Apostle Paul, we are bound with them. They are suffering ecumenical persecution. This convocation appeals to you not to permit such imprisonment and to hear the cry from the tombs of Westminster Abbey of the fathers who gave Britain her freedom from such religious intolerance. Our prayers to God is that you may be moved by him to act now as the guardian of freedom. 
We hereby commission the Reverend Brian Green and the Reverend William Beatty to deliver this message in person to you at Buckingham Palace on Tuesday, September the 27th, 1966. Now I present to this young preacher, the Reverend William Beatty. Well, before I bring a message from the word of a living God, could I say how glad I am to be here today to bring to you the wondrous words of life. We have enjoyed our stay thus far in the, in the United States of America. We've enjoyed fellowship with God's people. And we have felt very much at home because we find here in your country the same kind of situation as we have back in our own country of Northern Ireland. We have there an ecumenical link up with the powers that be to persecute the Christians and Bible-believing Christians at that, to stop the word of the gospel and the message of God's grace to sinful men. And therefore we feel very much at home and we've enjoyed this week as we've gone around the country preaching at the cow pasture rallies and especially we enjoyed preaching yesterday over in Harrisburg. And I bring to you today apologies from my brother, the Reverend Brian Green. Last night he wasn't feeling too well and I spent most of the night nursing him, carrying him cups of water, etc., etc. And now I've come today to bring you a cup of water from the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of the living God. Our brother sends his apologies and he trusts that you will forgive him and he expects to be here to preach in the evening time, the Lord being willing. Before I bring God's message, I would just like now to bow our heads in a word of prayer. Let us seek God's face that God might pour out his Holy Spirit upon us as we bring a message from the word of God. Let us pray. O God, our loving Heavenly Father, as we bow in thy holy, sacred presence, we praise thee afresh for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the finished work of Calvary's cross. And Lord, as we bow in thy presence and as we open up the word of the living God, we would plead afresh the precious blood of Allah. Lord, we pray that you would cleanse the very atmosphere, cleanse my heart and cleanse my thoughts. Yea, today bring every thought into captivity to the mind of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we turn now to thy holy word, we pray that we might know the help and unction of the Spirit of a living God. O Lord, we pray that fresh oil from on high might be my portion. Lord, I take thee for this mortal frame. I take my healing in his name. All his risen life I claim. I take, thank God he undertakes. Lord, undertake now, we pray. Bless us in thy presence and do us good for Jesus' sake. Amen. I want you today to turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19, the portion that we read together. 1 Kings chapter 19. And I want to deal with the last three verses of this portion of God's Word. 1 Kings chapter 19 and verses 19 to 21. Let's read them together. So he departed thence. And found Elisha the son of Shaphat, who was ploughing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him, and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen, and ran after Elijah, and said, Let me, I pray thee, 
kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him, and took a yoke of oxen, and slew them, and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose, and went after Elijah, and ministered unto him. I want today to study with you the calling of the prophet Elisha. I want to deal with three things about Elisha that we find here in these last few verses of this chapter. I want to deal first of all with the separation of Elisha, and then secondly with the sacrifice of Elisha, and then thirdly with the special powers that Elisha had. These three simple things I want to deal with as quickly as possible. Now we in the church today need more men like Elisha. We not only need them in the pulpit, we need them in the pew. We need them in the workshop. We need them at every place around this world of ours. We need men like Elisha. Elisha was a man who was called of God. And I want you to notice a few things about Elisha before we begin to really study him. First of all, Elisha was a man of character. He was a man who followed the plough. And a man who follows the plough is a man who is trying to keep to a straight line. So that Elisha was a straight man, as it were, with regard to his character. He was a man of sterling character. Then he was a man of faith. Because a man that ploughs is a man that looks away ahead to the harvest. And so Elisha was a man of faith, a man of vision, a man who looked away ahead. And we need those kind of men today to preach the word of the living God and to lead the people of God. Now there's something that I would like you to notice about Elisha, and it's found in verse 17. And we read, And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. You see, Elisha was an extremist if he was living today. That's what they would call him, because as we look at Elisha here in verse 17, we find that God has called him to be the most extreme man in the land. The man who is to take the strongest measures possible by the grace and help of Almighty God. And I would say today, my friends, fear not when the world calls you an extremist. It simply means that you're about God's business and obeying the call of a living God. Oh, for men who are extreme for God. Oh, for men who will go the whole way with the Lord Jesus Christ for the sake of God's word and for the sake of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Elisha, he was a man of character. He was a man of faith. He was indeed an extremist. Now let's have a look at Elisha's separation. We find it there in verse 20. Elisha's separation. You find it in verse 20. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And we have here the fact that Elisha is to be separated from his father and from his mother. 
Samuel was separated from his father and from his mother as a child. The prophet Jeremiah, we read, was separated and sanctified unto the Lord from his mother's womb. And here we find that Elisha, in the same manner, is to be separated from his father and from his mother. If you turn over to Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37, you will find that this separation is an apostolic separation. For the Lord Jesus Christ, in speaking to his disciples, says very plainly, If any man love father or mother more than me, he is not worthy of me. So that in the Old Testament, we have an apostolic separation. A separation from father and a separation from mother. Now this separation we find is a separation unto God himself. Look at the last part of verse 20. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? In this phrase we seem to find that Elijah is rebuking Elisha because Elisha seems to be following Elijah the man. And Elijah points out the fact to him in this way. He says, what have I done to thee? In other words, he's saying to Elisha, this is not God's call, or rather this is not my call, but God's call. This is God that is calling you. And it's with God you have to do. And it's to God you will have to answer. This is God's call. And I want you to learn from this that God can only use a separated man and a separated church. And if God has got any work to do in this area, my friend, in this, the, the United States of America, God will only do it through a separated man and through a separated church. A church that is outside the camp, bearing his reproach. A church that realizes that here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Although today we could get the vision of what God can do if we would only be truly and completely separated unto the Lord. Separated from our fathers and mothers, from the world and from the apostasy. Totally and completely separated unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Then I want you to notice something else about his separation. We read it in the first part of verse 20. And he left the oxen and ran... After Elijah, he ran. And you see there the joy with which Elisha goes out to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and to serve God. He ran after Elijah. He rejoiced as a strong man to run a race. And we see there, my friend, a man who has set his affections upon things above, not upon the things of this earth. The affections of earth have already been cut and dealt with. He has left his father and his mother. The ties of earth have been broken. And now he has got a vision of eternal things. He has got his eyes set upon things above. And like Paul of old, he presses toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Yes, the service of the Lord is a race. And let us today run with patience. The race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Perhaps today you're feeling discouraged. Perhaps as the 
powers, the political powers that be, come against you and try in this land to crush with the work of the gospel and the preaching of the word of God. Perhaps you're discouraged today. Oh, my friend, could I exhort you today to look away to Jesus, to set your affections upon things above. Oh, my prayer today is that the Lord Jesus Christ, by his Spirit, would turn every eye upon Jesus and help us to look full on his wonderful face. And then the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of God's glory and grace. Oh, my friend, lift your eyes away from earth today, right away to the throne of grace, where Christ ever liveth to make intercession for us. Yes, my friend, may we today be separated unto the Lord, as Elisha here was separated unto him. May we break the ties that bind us to the world, and may we launch out into the deep and let down the nets for a draught. Let us now consider Elisha's sacrifice. We find it in verse 21. Elisha's sacrifice. And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Let us meditate for a few moments concerning this sacrifice that Elisha makes here. We read that he took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen. Now we want to see exactly the significance of this action of Elisha's as he takes the yoke of oxen and slays them and boils their flesh with the instruments of the oxen. To get the meaning of it, let us go back to verse 19. And we read there, He departed thence and found Elisha the son of Shaphat who was ploughing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth. Now the Holy Spirit is very careful in the writing of the word of the living God. And we have here the word twelve emphasized for us twice. He was ploughing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he with the twelfth. And it seems as if the Holy Spirit of God in emphasizing this word 12, this number 12, we draw our, our attention to the number 12. And as we think about the number 12, we begin to realize that in Scripture, the number 12 speaks to us of government. We have the 12 tribes of Israel. We have the 12 apostles. It speaks to us of position and of control. And as we look at old Elisha there, as he takes the oxen that he'd been plying with, and as he slays them, and as he burns them upon the instruments of the oxen, we see a man who is sacrificing his position. You see, he was in charge of all the servants who were ploughing with him in that field. He is sacrificing his position. And what God wants today is a man who will sacrifice his position in the land. Old Elisha here was sacrificing his position. He was also sacrificing the respect of the servants. He was giving the whole thing up. And what God wants today is a man and a people who have no time for the respect of the world. Who have no time for the pats on the back of friends. 
Oh, my friend, that today God would gather to himself men and women from his gathering like Elisha. Many are prepared to have done with lesser things and give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings. Elisha here was like the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, he sacrificed position. He sacrificed respect. We read in God's word that he took upon himself the form of a servant. Read also that he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And the call today is to come after the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is simply calling you as a people to walk the same pathway. His word to you today is, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Do you want to see souls walking out for God? Do you want to see your family saved? Do you want to see a spirit of revival abroad in this town and throughout this state and throughout all America? Then follow the Lord Jesus Christ and God will pour out his Holy Spirit upon you. We're going to see something later on of what God did for Elisha as Elisha stepped out to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to work for God. Yes, as we look at this man, as he slays the oxen, as he burns the instruments of the oxen, we see a man who is burning his bridges, as we would say back home. A man that is burning his bridges. You see, Elisha's making quite sure that he will never be tempted to turn back again. You see, if he had left the oxen and the plough away back at home, if things didn't go well, if the way got hard, if the way got thorny, he could always give it up and go back to the oxen and back to the plough. But as Elisha sets out for God, he makes sure that he'll never go back. Here's a man that's determined to go through with God. A man who has set his face as a flint, as it were, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, my friend, are you willing to go through with Jesus in this way? Are you willing, my friend, to pay the price and follow the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you willing today in this gathering to say, Where he may lead me, I will go, for I have learned to trust him so. His divine will is sweet to me, hallowed by blood-stained Calvary. Friend, will you do it today? Will you give up everything for the Lord Jesus Christ and simply follow him? Now let's have a look at Elisha's special powers. We want to look at them quickly. Elisha's special powers. We find them here for us in verse 19, in the last part of verse 19. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. This is Elisha's special powers. And thank God the man that God calls and the man that God separates, God equips him and God prepares him and God anoints him from on high for the ministry of the word of a living God. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. Let's study the mantle of Elijah so that we might know what exactly is happening to Elisha here. 
We find it mentioned in the same chapter, in verse 13. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle, and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him, and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And with this mantle, Elijah stands face to face with God. This mantle, therefore, to us today would be the mantle of intercession. With this mantle, Elisha could stand before God, as Elijah before him had stood before God. Then there's something else in 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 8. And we're reading here of the last days of Elijah. And Elijah took the mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. And with this mantle, Elijah parts the river Jordan. And the river Jordan in Scripture speaks to us of death. So that as we see Elijah going through the rivers of Jordan, we see a man who has the power of resurrection, the power over death. And for Elisha, it not only meant that he would have the power of intercession and the privilege of standing before God, but it also meant that he would have power, the power of resurrection. Yes, this mantle of Elijah was a mantle of the prophet's office. It meant that Elisha was going to be as Elijah the prophet had been before him, the mantle of his office. But we read, and as we study this portion of God's word in this mantle of Elijah, we find very strikingly that this verse 19, where the mantle falls upon Elisha, is simply an earnest of what is to come when the mantle will finally fall upon him as Elijah goes up into the clouds to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. This in verse 19 is an earnest of what is to follow afterwards when Elijah ascends up to heaven. What a beautiful type of the Lord Jesus Christ this really is for us today. In John's Gospel, chapter 20, the Lord speaking to his disciples says, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And whatsoever the Lord saith cometh to pass. And there in John 20, the disciples received an earnest of the Spirit that was to fall upon them on the day of Pentecost. And as we think about the day of Pentecost, we realize that the Spirit of the living God is a mantle of the office of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ fulfilleth the office of a prophet, of a priest, and of a king. The office of a prophet. We thank God we have the Spirit of a living God today for the ministry of the Word of a living God. The prophet's business was to deliver the Word of God. Thus and thus saith the Lord. And we today thank God have the Spirit of God upon us that we might deliver the Word of God and lead and guide the people into truth and to preach the Word as it ought to be preached. And then we have the office of a priest. And thank God we have the Spirit of a living God to fulfill that office today. The office of a priest was to pray for the people. 
to stand before God and make intercession for the sins of the people. And we today, as we come to pray and supplicate the throne of God, we have the help of the Spirit of God. The Spirit helpeth our infirmities with groanings which cannot be uttered. And then the third office that Christ fulfills is the office of a king. And a king is one who reigns. That speaks to us of victory. And I praise God today as all the forces of modernism and all the powers of darkness come against us that today we have the spirit of the living God and the promise of Christ. Ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. When the Spirit of God comes down upon a people, they come to victory. They stand in victory and they go in victory. The word of the gospel spreads and they fill not all Jerusalem but the whole wide world with their doctrine. Oh, that today, my friend, we would seek the mantle of the Holy Spirit of God upon us as we preach the word of God and as we stand firm and fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, that we be not entangled again with any yoke of bondage. My friend, this is the way to victory in the United States of America. This is the way to blessing. I trust that today you'll seek afresh the mighty outpouring of the Spirit of the living God upon you, that your ministry might be effectual, that the powers that be might be shaken, that the very powers of hell might be shaken too, because God has promised that he will build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. May God bless you and may God pour out his Spirit upon you. For Jesus' sake, amen. My, my, we need some preachers like that around, don't we? Praise the Lord. You know how old, young that, how old that young man is? We were driving along, and yes, last week he said, say, he says, yesterday was my birthday. He said, I said, why didn't you tell us? I said, hold on. He says, 24. 24 years of age, beloved, out of North Ireland. Men in prison. I was there on a Saturday night. He took me down to a town, Kilkeel, and we had 15, 12, 1,500 people out in the field. And that we were talking, we were traveling along, and he said, you know, he says, I went back down to Kilkeel, Dr. McIntyre. He says, you know how many people we had when I went back down there? He said, we had 4,000 there. And uh, I like this young fellow. He said to me, he says, you know, he says, when we have a meeting, he says, we don't have more than two speakers, and usually I don't want but one. He says, I want to do all the talking. <laughs> so we, had them, we had them all lined up there yesterday, and he said, we have a meeting, we don't have more than two speakers, he said. And he says, he says usually he says there's only one. He says, I want to do all the talking. And I asked him, how long do you preach? Well, he says, our services last about an hour and a half. He says, an hour is all right for sermon. But these men are doing what you saw down here today. Here's Paisley. Here are these men. There's only ten preachers in this church. You only got ten preachers in the Free Presbyterian Church. He's one of them. And they're young men. And Paisley and these men have preached like this through North Ireland. And they've taken this Bible. And they have flayed Goliath. They have flayed the ecumenical movement.
They have gone after this apostasy and they've stirred the whole country. And uh, I've been interested in the text which this young man, these men have been picking, you know, every night we've been in a meeting and I've been, you know, interested in the kind of text that they would take out of the Bible. And they've taken some magnificent text. They don't use the same text we use. They haven't turned up a single text that we use yet. They've all got different texts over there. And they, they rely heavily upon this Old Testament, upon uh, uh, Joshua. And uh, he preached a great sermon here on Joshua on where uh, Moses told him to be of exceeding, of being very courageous, very courageous, and be very strong. And uh, the emphasis was upon this, we know the truth, but go out and be exceedingly strong. And make these issues so incisive and so clear that men will understand that only by faith in Christ, only by turning from the idols, only by separation from apostasy, only by looking to Jesus can there be deliverance and can there be help. And this is the spirit that's in North Ireland today. And now there's 600,000 people following the ministry of Ian Paisley and he's in jail. And furthermore, the political powers are shaking over there. And there's no doubt about it, the present prime minister hasn't got the ghost of a chance to get reelected in North Ireland today. You know, one of the things that was said, I'll tell you very frankly... The prime minister over there said that they had to be awfully careful because they needed the Roman Catholic money of New York City to help them in a financial way in North Ireland. That was it. Here are preachers in a country who are preaching what the Protestants and the Puritans have always believed. And this past week, beloved, I went back and picked up the records of the first presbytery in our country. I have. And I went back and read those records, and in the little introduction just at the opening by the stated clerk of the General Assembly of the Old Presbyterian Church, this first presbytery and the first preachers were right down here in Maryland in 1706, 1705. And the report is that all the preachers, and their names are there, just a few of them, about five or six, were men from Ireland. They were the men who started this thing that you and I are a part of. And this little book that we're publishing in the Beacon right now on the history of Puritanism was ordered, written, and was published by the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church of Ireland. There it is. And these men represent the break from that church, the Free Presbyterian Church of Ireland, and they have the mantle of the Lord upon them in great power to preserve the Christian religion there in that land. Now they're flying back 
On Tuesday, they're going to Buckingham Palace. They say it's possible in their country that you can go to Buckingham Palace and present these things. And they're going to present this petition, and they do not have the difficulties over there that we have with the press. They will have a tremendous press in Britain when they arrive with this petition from the Queen and when they take it to Buckingham Palace to present it to the Queen. They'll have it. And the story will be out as to what's happened over here. Last night after I got back, I was called and told that, is it Frank uh, Fasanda, Fasanda, on one of the network programs here, programs that announced the meeting in Harrisburg, didn't give any pictures, but he reported that they had some 5,000 people there, which is the AP's report, and that they were protesting a resolution which uh, attacked radio station WXUR. He said nothing about the issue of religious persecution, religious intolerance, nothing about the resolutions or what was passed. And when they do report it, they twist it and turn it to be something different from what actually went on up there. And that's why it's so essential that all you people get to these meetings and see these things and have this information for yourself and recognize that we have a terrific struggle in our country right now if we're going to preserve our freedom. And the attack and the pressure is upon us. Somebody came up to me yesterday and they said, Dr. McIntyre, I want to give you a text. And of course, it's one we know here and we've heard it and we love it. If the foundations be destroyed... What can the righteous do? And that lady stood there on the Capitol there and she says, Dr. McIntyre, she said, the time to fight is before they're destroyed. The time to fight is before they're destroyed. And we're trying to keep these foundations from being destroyed so that we can continue the ministry of the Lord and the word of God. And it is an historic day when this young man, 24 years of age, appointed by his presbytery to represent them in the new world, stands in the pulpit of the Collingswood Church and delivers a message on Elisha as he did to us today. And then they carry this blessed resolution message back to the Queen of England. I wish we had a chronicle here with some sort of a record. We could report these things because someday if the Lord tarries and history moves on, this place right here is going to stand in that great succession of the preservation of our Puritan faith and of the things which you and I hold dear. And yesterday was a great day. It was a marvelous testimony. It was clean. It was pure. It was straightforward. It was honest. And it was righteous. And God will honor it by his spirit in the hearts of you people and of the people of this nation of ours. Now let us stand please and sing to the glory of God as we close this service. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Hymn number... 122.